Lucas Tigers and Bronze is brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. HGA is revolutionizing the industry by implementing software that will allow them to scan, analyze, and grade cards without subjectivity. This allows for consistent and unbiased grading. They have an easy submission process and best-in-class customer service. Their pricing model is simple. Pay by the day, not by the value of the card. And when they say 10 business days, they mean 10 business days. Background noise, but Luca Nation, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Um, today we have a repeat guest, but uh, this is someone you know we've talked about uh, in the past quite a bit, and I think you're going to love today's show. Um, we're going to take a deep dive into the, kind of the business world of the hobby, uh, and we have Max Spiegel on. So we've had him on before. Uh, it was episode 272. And it was one of our favorite episodes. Our community loved it because we went really in-depth with uh, Andy Broom, who was uh, head of grading for uh, CCG. And it was, we talked centering, you know, surface, talked about really in-depth grading. But today we're going to be talking business. Uh, and recently they got bought out uh, and acquired, I guess, by Blackstone Capital. I'm going to read you a quote from the press release because this is where I want to start. So Melvin Ike, he's a uh, principal of Blackstone. He said, as thematic investors... We look for exceptional entrepreneurial teams succeeding in growing markets. And CCG is a great example of that. We have been closely following the rise of the global physical and digital collectibles industry. This is a company with $650 billion and in assets under management for the last several years. And we were drawn to CCG because of their leadership role in the categories we serve. So without further ado, I'll stop talking. But that really left an impression because that made me feel, you know, as just a peon in the hobby, very confident about the future. So without further ado, I want to welcome Max Spiegel back to the show. Uh, and I'm curious, what's your take? What do you see for the hobby uh, in the next few years, Max? Yeah, well, thanks for having me back on the show. Um, yeah, I think it's incredibly exciting. You know, the Blackstone team is extremely smart. They're obviously very, very successful. Um, and they spent a lot of time with our company. I mean, we probably been talking to them for four or five months after they approached us, you know, until we actually got this deal done. And um, they they really dug in deep and uh, really seemed to appreciate the business. You know, they also appreciate that, you know, there is expertise specific to sports cards, coins, comic books, et cetera, that they don't necessarily have. So I think what we're doing is we're pairing the best of both worlds. We've got their investing and asset management experience with our collectibles knowledge. And I think that's a really powerful combination. I love it. I, I, and it makes total sense. And what's, you know, if you could give us, and not the, you know, the, the secret sauce, but like, what's the vision? Is it expansion into Europe and Asia? Is it, you know, here kind of growing your facilities? Is it, you know, you're getting into more more different kind of ancillary markets? I'm curious. Uh, what's the vision? Yeah, well, I think there's a, a whole lot to it. But fundamentally, and I think this will be good news for collectors, is they want us to solve the tremendous backlog that we have. You know, we've obviously been working really hard, working tons of overtime. We've been hiring like crazy to keep up with the demand for our sports cards and our trading card businesses, as well as, you know, comics also has a substantial backlog and we've been making some progress there. The, what I'm hearing from them is, you know, we're not making enough progress there. So what they want to do is basically give us 
you know, carte blanche, a blank check, however you want to describe it to get more space. You know, I, I spent two days in meetings with them Monday and Tuesday of this week. And they said, you know, go out, get more space, get more people, whatever you need to improve turnaround times, go and do it. And I think that's just a different philosophy than we've had before, where they don't care so much about uh, turning a profit right now. They want us to establish ourselves and, and become the best possible service for collectors, because we know that, you know, the money will follow, the, you know, all that comes. But it, first and foremost, it's about providing a great product and service. And I think with their help, we're, we're getting closer and closer. I, I think one of the big challenges... Before you, before you jump on, just let that sink in to the audience here. All right? So partnered up, obviously a huge partner who has said, even though we are buying in, even though we are putting money here, even though we're putting our money on our table, profit, us taking money out of this, uh, that's going to take a backseat. We have a backlog. And you have a blank check. You have carte blanche to figure out the backlog, to be able to expand, to grow going forward. And to me, what I hear as a consumer, as a collector is, okay, these guys have now partnered up with somebody who cares about the end user. It's not all about squeezing as much juice from the berry as you can. It's about making sure this tree survives and lasts for a long time, giving us all berries. I'm going to take the berry thing way too friggin' far. But you understand the point, right? You know, the point is these guys came in and they weren't like, okay, how are we going to maximize profit? It was, we have an issue. Let's solve that issue first. And that's really cool, Max. Thanks for sharing that because, you know, we don't get that. That's not public, you know? Yeah, for sure. And just to sort of build on that, you know, our pop report, you know, one of the Blackstone guys, in fact, asked me during the tour, he said, you know, when are we getting that pop report done? So that's something that's really high on their radar. We are building that now, uh, but they want to accelerate. Uh, you know, again, what they want to do is throw as much money as they have to to build the framework that we need for long-term success. And we were going on that path, but it's just going to be a, a much shorter time frame. So I think pop report, registry, new online submission form, coupled with better turnaround times, I think that's the that's the six month plan. Like that's what people should expect to see from us before the end of the year. Awesome. I mean, look, that's those are the two things, right? If I came in and I wanted to say, all right, what are we, what are the two things to fix? That's the two things I'd focus on also, right? Because those are the two things that are that are going to sustain, that can sustain growth, to keep people, add more people into your user base. Um, you know that that makes sense, and it's I mean it's really good to hear. Sorry to cut you off, Andrew. Go ahead and see the next question, but it's important. I mean, like that's that's huge stuff, right? I mean, we. We're, we seem to be confronted every day by interesting hobby news, like you know, and usually, usually it leans towards the bad, right? So it's nice to get like this is positive news. Yes, there's consolidation. Yes, there's big money coming in, but usually get these announcements. You know, A Rod is going to buy everything, okay? <laughs> but then you don't hear anything else, right? You know, you have this announcement, but but it's great to kind of peel back the layers of it a little bit and hear what it means when that money comes in, what they're actually planning on doing, and you know it's great to hear that they are actually focusing on two things that a collector would focus on if they came in. Max, do you expect any, uh, any other fireworks in, in 2021, any other big deals, any other SPACs, anything like that? Yeah, well, I think so. I think, I mean, I think there is so much institutional billionaire attention on this hobby of ours that I don't know if it'll necessarily be in the sports card space, but if you look at collectibles broadly, I think there's just going to be more and more people, you know, entering that space. 
and I think that ultimately will be a good thing. You know, they'll be entering the space by acquiring companies, investing in, in the collectibles themselves. Um, so I don't have any inside knowledge into anything, but if I had to suspect, I think this is just the beginning of, you know, big bank institutional, you know, super smart billionaire attention on our space. And I think that's good because I think for anyone who's got a collection, you want to know that, uh, the people who are buying those Warhols and Picassos are now buying sports cards and coins. Are the Blackstone guys collectors? So like I, I picture them one of two ways. Like I either picture them as like, you know, they grew up, they were huge collectors. Now they, you know, they've made some money in traditional finance and they're like, wow, this is kind of cool that I, my passion could kind of intertwine with what I do professionally. Or are they just big wigs, you know, really, really intelligent, really smart. They know the market behavior really well. Which bucket do they fall in? It's a it's a mix of both. Um, you know, we've got one guy uh, uh, from Blackstone who we work very closely with who loves Yu-Gi-Oh cards, just super into Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And that extends into other areas. Like he just gets collecting. Now, the other ones that we've been working with most closely don't really collect the stuff that we serve. But one of the things that struck us about them is that they understood our business very quickly. And they also didn't try to push you know, sort of their own philosophy onto us. You know, they want to help. They want to bring in operational consultants to help with the backlog, but they also know what they don't know. And they would never tell us, here's how you grade a card or here's how you make build a holder for it. They don't care about that stuff. You know, they care about the business fundamentals. And I think we've done a lot of things very well. I think that's why we caught their attention, but clearly there's room for improvement. And I think that's where they're going to come in and help. I think the one thing, so see, see, like just the whole brand that you guys have, CCG, CSG, people love you guys for the comics. We could talk a little bit about VHS tapes apparently not being graded. That's not a world that I totally know. So Cade, you could jump in there. But the one just minor complaint that people have against uh, CCG is the holder for sports cards. And I saw you guys, you were very active, you know, on social media and, and people are saying that there's some news that you guys are changing that holder for people listening could you clarify any like design ui ux that changes that are coming through the pike yeah so you know i hear very specific comments about the holder i the comments i hear is that overall people love the clarity of the holder they love the rigidity of the holder how it protects the cards you know the complaint that i hear is that sometimes when our label does not have subgrades it's kind of a little barren you know you've got the description of the player and the, and the card itself, and then a lot of white space on the label. And I think that gives a, a misconception that the holder's really tall. It's not. If you lay the holder next to any of our competitors, it's no bigger than our competitors. I mean, maybe a couple millimeters. I think one thing that we're, or I know one thing that we're looking at is just taking our label and seeing if there could be some tweaks there to make it just look aesthetically better when maybe you don't have subgrades, or if it's a really long player name and then nothing underneath that. But I think, um, you know, if anyone hasn't seen our holder, go take a look at one of them at the National. Compare that to, a, you know, one of our competitors. I think everyone will like the holder, but maybe the label has some room for improvement. We also just launched, you know, I don't know if you saw our thick holder, which we're super excited about. So we yeah. got our thick holders in uh, several different sizes. We're going up to 7.25 millimeters uh, for cards. And that's something that uh, we're really proud of because I don't think anybody does cards that thick. And we're actually working on uh, additional sizes. So it's all going to look in the same family. 
but you know, those holders, they all stack together. They all have that same kind of footprint. They're just thicker. It really, you know, I think one of the things that we do well is just have this like unified family of holders, not just within CSG, but within our other companies too. Can you stack them all? Oh yeah. Every holder. Thick can ones, thin ones, different yep. sports, different non-sports. You stack them up and go, oh, I love it. And by the way, that's a huge thing. I mean, I love it. I hold up a brick. You know, like it's, yeah. a, it's a huge exactly. thing, you know what I mean, to be able to do that. Um, yeah, so and that's awesome. And and all right, so so thick cards. Wow, that's so that's interesting. I'm, that's, I'm curious, Cage, are yeah. there any new cards that you guys are getting in? You know, uh, you guys really have gone heavy into sports cards, we'll say the last six months. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, we launched in February. So what's that? Yeah, five months. What are some cards that you're getting that, you know, you're getting so many of and you were surprised you didn't see that coming? Is it modern? Is it baseball? Is it NBA? Can you give a little peek to our audience kind of behind the scenes? Yeah. Unfortunately, you're asking the wrong guy. That's an Andy Broom who's, you know, our senior <laughs> finalizer. He'll know more. I can tell you about the business. I can't, you know, I don't pretend to know anything about the, uh, about sports cards themselves. Okay. Well, and, and national. So something PSA just did, and I don't, I'm curious how you guys think about in-person grading at huge events. Mm -hmm. Well, one, will CCG have in-person grading at the event? And, and two, if you just talk about that, right? Like if, if just the huge markup in price for in-person grading when the facility is shut down to some people in our comments, we, we were telling them we were going to do an interview with, uh, with you. That was that, that kind of left people with a bad taste. So I'm curious, will there be in-person grading for CCG? And, and what, what is your take in general on that? Yeah, so we will be grading on-site at the National. Uh, the fee will be a bit higher uh, for that fast turnaround time, which is typical. You know, if you're submitting to our office too, you're paying a higher fee for the fast turnaround time. One of the things that was really important to me as well as to the rest of the team was that we wanted to make sure to keep working on the office submissions while we were at national. So I think, you know, if anyone's thinking about submitting to us at national, submit as early as possible. We're not bringing every single person to the national because we're going to keep working here in the office. We're not shutting down. We're not losing a day of productivity. We're going to be working here, you know, in Sarasota on Saturday and possibly even Sunday during the show. Um, we are sending a handful of people to do that on-site grading, but not at any significant expense for the people who have been waiting, you know, on our office submissions. Like one that. thing, one thing I wanted to, so I got in this max. I was just like, the, I was the little guy, you know, cage always talks that he's in favor of the little guy. Well, he hasn't been a little guy in years. Maybe <laughs> yeah, not since I was like five. So I got into <laughs> hobby, you know, I was able to color up, you know, I took my few hundred bucks and then uh, I bought Zion and then I, I, I turned that into Kobe rookies and I was able to move my way up and kind of develop a bit of a bankroll. And that, that was really fortunate you know there's timing and maybe i made some of the right moves but a lot of people this year you know that are collectors or investors however you want to deem them you know they're seeing the rich get richer but then the hobby in general like the the, the or kind of the bottom and they're worried that now with grading is going is getting so expensive you know you can't resell cars like you did, you could they're, they're worried about coloring up. You know, they're worried about building bankroll. They're wondering, you know, is it the suit guys that are making all the money and I'm going to be sitting here broke? Can you give a boat of confidence? Because when I see all of these uh, acquisitions and all of these positive things happen to hobby, I hope that there is a trickle down effect. But you know the business. How can there be a trickle down effect where the consumers of the hobby, the, the people that are on the floor also benefit from this? 
Well, I think, you know, the end consumer, the average Joe collector, they're critical to us. We can't run a business with 50 big customers or 100 big customers. We need to serve thousands or tens of thousands of people. And right now, across all of our verticals, we have tens of thousands of collectors who are submitting to us. And we know they're critical to our success. And so that means doing right by those collectors. And, you know, a lot of us are collectors ourselves. So unfortunately, our costs have gone up. I think a lot of people's costs have gone up and we do need to, uh, you know, obviously we need to cover those costs, but we're not looking to, to gouge anybody or make any extreme changes. We're looking to offer a really, really high quality service for a fair price. And I think our services give different price points where it's affordable to essentially anybody. And we want to keep it that way. We've never shut down any grading tiers. We have no plans to shut down any grading tiers. Our cheapest tier for CSG is still $12 a card. Wow. Never shut it down and still have a, a $12 uh, per card. That's, I mean, it's impressive. It's impressive stuff. Go ahead, Andrew. So what are the things that like if I, I kind of wanted to put on my CEO hat before this conversation and <laughs> I'm running a grading company, right? The, the big one of the biggest challenges is training graders, right? So like if I'm Henry Ford, I get engineers from university, right? I just hire them right from the best universities. Well, I, I, I'm not familiar with any grading university. And yeah. I had a, a business concept and I, I wanted to run it by you, see what you thought, you know. So one, I'm curious if grading companies are considering opening satellite offices in Europe, Asia, and Australia, and some of the those regions. But two, you know, like kind of like a CSG, a CCG, a grading satellite facility where you train people kind of all around the world in the art of grading, create little satellite campuses. And in turn, you could cheaply with little, low overhead, open up grading facilities all over the world because there are collectors all over the world. One, I'm curious, do you agree with that? And, and two, like Europe, Asia and all that stuff, do you see grading companies starting to move into those regions? Yeah, well, so on the, you know, just acquiring and training new graders, you know, it's funny that you mentioned about there being no university. So we actually saw the same thing. We saw that there was no real university for this. So we actually started the CSG Academy and we held our first event in Sarasota at the end of June. I don't know if you saw that announcement, but we had about 100 people come here um, for a two-day event where we had Andy Broom, Weston Reeved, and other top graders teach people about the grading. So the goal was that they would actually learn a lot about becoming a better grader themselves, how to submit, how to be more effective. But it also gave us a great opportunity to figure out who had a skill that we wanted to bring on board. And so that's been helping us, as well as other initiatives. You know, we're paying $2,500 hiring bonuses it's been helping us to scale up our grading really, really quickly. And we are, uh, we've added a ton of graders. Um, so yeah, we figure, look, we got to go out and we've got to train the grader if we want to find those graders. And we also just have different marketing initiatives to sort of find the people who already have some talent. As far as expanding to Europe and Asia, you know, we've done that with coins and paper money. It wouldn't shock me that that sports and trading cards should be next. I mean, I think it's a global market. Uh, I think the challenge is there's a lot of demand in the U.S. and expansion would potentially uh, affect our ability to service right. the demand that's already existing in the U.S. So there's a time, I think, for that. But right now our focus is, you know, all the hundreds of thousands of cards that are coming in, 
getting those done in a timely manner. And I think that has to happen before we can start adding even more cards, uh, uh, you know, into that, uh, into that pot. How are we, how are people having conversations? You know, the, the Blackstone, the, the top of the top when it comes to asset managers, when they see, you know, Mickey Mantle cards sell for 5.2 million, when they see Steph Curry cards, you know, record cards prices, uh, then they see the Mickey Mantle card, the PSA 10 was at the all-star game. How are the, are, 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 how are people talking about those like legendary iconic cards? Yeah. Well, what I'm hearing sort of broadly is that the people they know who are people with lots and lots of money, they're not just buying stocks, they're buying cards, they're buying coins, they're buying comic books. And they're saying that it's becoming essentially a given that if you've got a lot of money, or even if you don't have a lot of money, you're putting some percentage of your net worth of, of what money you get in into collectibles. And that's becoming more and more important. And people are putting a larger and larger percentage of their money into collectibles. And I think that's a fundamental shift where it isn't just a hobby. Like people are looking at this as an alternative asset class. And I think Blackstone had that realization. And they, when they looked at us, we're not just a company that serves a hobby. We're a company that serves an asset class, just like a stock or bullion or, or anything of that nature. If I'm out there 25, 30 years old, okay? And, and you would give advice or a suggestion, you know, comics, VHS, gold, bullion, cards. Are there some industries of some of those side industries that I should look at that I might not have been? I'm a sports card collector. What should I be looking at next? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough for me to give that advice. From my own personal experience, I would say do what you love. If there's a collectible that you love, don't try to find the one area that you don't care about, but you just want to make a quick buck off of it. I think if you love sports cards, there's lots of money to be made in sports cards. If you love coins, there's lots of money to be made in coins. I would say don't abandon your passion because one thing we've seen with collectibles for the last couple of years, all of them are on fire. So it doesn't matter whether you collect sports cards or coins or video games. There's an interest in all types of collectibles. Now, there are probably some that maybe are, are better than others, but um, you, know, you see what's getting the prices realized now, what the grading companies are looking at. And that's probably where I would focus my attention. Hey, Max, what about posters? Yeah, well, we've been grading posters. You know, the challenge that's why with I bring it up, Max. Yeah, the challenge is they take up a lot of space and they're hard to ship. I mean, that that is, you know, it's such a simple issue. But believe it or not, the ability to just ship something and put it into a holder plays a big role in it becoming a li liquid item. Yeah. 100%. 100%. There are some pretty cool posters. For sure. Slammed up. They're pretty cool. Music sure. posters, event posters, you know, movie posters, signed UFC event posters. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy ways to go with that one there, Andrew, as an untapped resource. If people are going to be spending six figures on old Game Boy games getting graded, why not that stuff? You want something with Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin in concert together. That'd be pretty nice, you know. Max, you know? what do you collect? I collect early, yeah, early American coins, like from the colonial period. You know, I just love American history. I love all history, but... It's just, you know, it's a great way to see history in action and actually hold a piece of something that, you know, some colonist held. And I think um, that's, uh, it, that's one of the really cool things about coins and collectibles. It just, it gives you a connection to a period in time that you like or a place that you like or a person that you like. I think that's, that's super cool. It's, it's funny. My dad's uh, a good friend. You know, he's in his, he's in his 50s. 
he's been coin collecting for it was like 15 years even before this hobby was on a boom and he's always been talking about it they kind of have double utility right and a, a coin it gets um it's rare it's collectible it has that but some coins are also minted in silver and gold so yep. you have like that kind of like you're investing in a gold the price of gold as well is that right yeah, for sure. I think that that a lot of coin collectors like that there's sort of a minimum value to the coin. You've got the bullion value, and then you've got the collector and the numismatic value on top of that. It definitely appeals to a, a lot of people. But clearly, that's not a prerequisite for a collectible to be worth a lot of money. There's plenty right. of collectibles like sports cards that the, the paper itself or the cardboard isn't worth anything, but it's the uniqueness of the item or the design of the item or the sort of subject matter that that makes it valuable i love how you said that a floor for uh like a kind of base value yeah well, but you can always melt it down right you always sell you know sell it for the for the, for the value of the gold right i mean for sure. you know, it's uh you know what do they call what do they call it spot price right exactly. spot price of the gold mm -hmm. right so and obviously some of the more limited gold coins they have a higher percentage of actual gold in the coin. I think like the, the Toronto, the, not Toronto, the, the maple leaf, the Canadian maple leaf has a little bit of a lesser, the African cougaran from South Africa has a little bit of lesser than say like, uh, like the Chinese, you, what are they called? The Panda is their gold mm -hmm. coin. And the American has both the Buffalo and American Eagle coins. They have a different level of gold in them as well. And then you get limited versions of them, right? Where you're talking about, uh, like the St. Gaudens, right? The ultra high yep. relief coins, the real collectible ones that are limited, right? So I'm talking your language now, right, Max? For sure. You know uh, your stuff. Max, the, we get, the reason I wanted to have you on, and it's, it's been exactly what I was hoping for this episode to be, you know, we get kind of two questions. Like one is where is there still opportunities in sports cards to make money? And, and is, is the market crashing? You know, and the last few, five, six months or three, four months have been, challenging for some of the investors that have come in the last 12, you know, last year and they haven't made money. So, you know, I, I always like to take a step back and get perspective. Uh, and, and to me, you know, yes, it's really nice when card prices are going up, but I think it's also important from a macro standpoint to see, look at the boat of confidence, very intelligent and successful people are saying they bought the card of CCG, the business. Right. <laughs> right. We're here buying like Luca Prism TSA 10s. And they're like, well, we believe in the business so much, we're going to go out and buy the business. So I, I wanted this to be, you know, very optimistic, very hopeful for, for the hobby. Nationals right around the corner. Are, are you guys excited for National? Is there any events that you guys are going to have going on? Any announcements you want to make uh, for National? Well, yeah, we're really excited for National. You know, we've done a couple of local shows, but this for CSG, this is the first big show that we're attending. So just to, to be out there, you know, we're going to have a huge booth space. We're sending, I don't even know how many people, it must be like 30 people that we're sending out to that show. So we want, you know, we want to meet people. We want people to know that we are the real deal and we're here to, to you know, compete at the highest level. And I think when they see our booth and, and our setup and the services we're offering, uh, you know, it'll become apparent to them if it's not already. So yeah, we're, we're really excited about that. And we're really excited about the future of the, the sports card market. I mean, I think, you know, markets as any other market, they fluctuate, but I think that the the fundamentals for sports cards are really tremendous. I mean, there's just so much appeal in there. And I think that's what a company like a Blackstone is most interested in is, you know, again, going back to our very first uh, uh, part of the conversation, they don't care about, you know, short-term profits. They care about fundamentals. And I think that 
all collectibles, including and especially sports cards and trading cards, they really have strong long-term fundamentals. One of those, and it's hard to qual qualify this or like quantify it. Collectibles have become kind of culturally relevant. Like you look at Rock Nation, like Jay-Z's brand buys into a comic book grading company, right? Right. And you're like, when in history would that have happened before? Right. And uh, I think that is kind of those fundamentals that you're talking about and so many other positive things. Max, I appreciate it. This is, I wanted it to be exactly right around the 30 minute mark because, uh, you know, I wanted our audience to listen, take this away. We've also done an episode where it's way different, way more in depth about grading and all that stuff with a uh, head grader at CCG, uh, Andy Broom. That's episode 272. Cage, any final words? No, I mean, listen, this is great to hear, right? Because, I mean, it's nice to peel back the layers and, and get some real details about the, you know, this, the, you know, the going forward, um, you know, the investment that CSG has. Just um, for our folks who might be going to the national, you know, can they come stop by? They come say hello. You're going to be, you know, we're going to be grading cards. You already said that, right? I mean, we're, who's partying with Max? That's what I want to know. Because you don't already have stuff going on. You, you know, you can hang out with us. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of a laid back guy, but I'm expecting Goldberg to be the partier over in the National. So, you know, Max, you find Goldberg. He He's ready. He's going to show up early. He says he's showing up like three days before the National. He's going to have the whole town all, all picked out. He's going to know all the spots. What do you think? Nice. Yeah, well, that, that sounds exciting. I think, um, you know, we will, uh, you know, people should definitely stop by our booth. I think it'll be a fun time. I think we'll be very focused, though, on on working and getting people's submissions done quickly and, and with the best possible quality. Beautiful. Thanks, Max. Thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This episode of Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze was brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. Take it from someone who has personally submitted thousands of cards for grading. HGA slabs just hit different. They're top of the line and color coordinated to match the card itself. The aesthetics are unrivaled in the industry. When paired with the ease of submission and the transparency of the pricing model, HGA stands alone as the best choice for grading your cards. I believe that once you try them out, you will agree. Thanks for listening, Luca Nation. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um... Do us a favor and like, subscribe. Ah, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.